Hey guys, Ryan DeMint from Chasing Happiness Podcast. I hope you guys are having an awesome day. Today on the podcast, we have Mike Montague. He's a speaker, podcaster, wait for it, chief instigator. And we all know how we like sarcasm and we like to push our buttons. I think Mike's going to be one of those guys. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, so good to be here, Ryan. I appreciate anybody trying to spread the message on happiness. Everybody else is talking about how to grind and hustle and stress yourself out or get more likes and followers and other things that don't actually make you happy. I'm just happy to be here. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. And, and I know it was a little bit of a wait, but thank you. So before we get into what you're doing, a little bit about you, and then we'll just start rolling into the punches. Sure. I have done a lot of things. So even just putting three in my bio and intro was a little challenging, but I have been like a radio DJ, a karaoke DJ. I opened for Billy Idol and Frankie Valley. I realized that I wanted to actually make some money. So I became a public speaker, motivational speaker, sales trainer. I've designed a couple hundred websites and things as well. So social media marketing kind of went into that broadcasting stuff that got me into podcasting. And it brought me on this journey now where I'm a game show host and speaker. And I have two podcasts, How to Succeed and Playful Humans. Both of them really about how to live your best life or build a business that you can play for a living and really enjoy what you do and find success in an easier way than just, like I said before, hustling, grinding, burning yourself out, like having to work more in order to get further ahead. Really, I feel like I, the name of my business, Playful Humans, because that describes me best. I just want to have fun, live my best life. I have a naturally optimistic and positive personality, and I like to facilitate fun for other people. Before we get going, and that's really cool, and I'm going to dig into a lot of that, what's going on in your background? You've got probably one of the most interesting backgrounds I have seen. Yeah, we could zoom out. There's a lot of these are Lego. So even the Adidas shoe here is made out of Lego. So my sign with Playful Humans is over 10,000 pieces that I put together. The Voltron here, a lot of people think that's a transformer. A lot of those people were not born in the 80s. They were uh, not. I actually so have that unit. Is that the true Voltron that breaks off with the legs and the arms? No, it does break off, but it's made out of Lego as well. So you can take oh, the cats apart. Got uh, the I've got the original have, one still. I have the original big one too. It's in more pieces than it should be at <laughs> this point. Again, same thing with the Nintendo, but really I put up a whole bunch of things back there that inspire me and remind me to be playful. And I think some of that is connecting with your inner child, your natural child of you were or I was back in the 80s, but Bare Naked Ladies are here. Steve Martin is over here on the other side. Dave Barry is a comedy writer that's hysterical. Douglas Adams, the restaurant at the end of the universe author and stuff are all people that I love. I call them creative nerds. I feel like that's my brand. People that are not afraid to be silly, but are also very intelligent. So if you think about Steve Martin or like uh, Bare Naked Ladies theme song for the Big Bang Theory. It's mm -hmm. scientifically accurate. Look through time and also really funny for a comedy show. So that's really the stuff that inspires me and who I am, I think, at my best and full self. So let's go back to the beginning. Have you always been a dreamer and wanted to do these, to do this type of stuff in life? Or did you do something different and what got you on this path? 
I would say I always have been a, a playful human. And what got me on the path was Grandma Lynn. Grandma Lynn is like 93 now, and she's still cracking people up in her old folks home. And every time I visit her, it's still just amazing that she can make me laugh every time. She'll just say something witty and an unusual. And she likes crossword puzzles and games. She introduced me to Monty Python and all kinds of great stuff when I was a kid. And we used to, at her house, she always had fun things. So she had an old school typewriter and stuff that we would write stories on and figure out how it works. And she'd have tape recorders and things where we would make silly shows or radio interviews and then play them for our parents when they came to pick us up and stuff. And that side of the family was all creative. My great-grandmother was a piano teacher and stuff. And I think that just in is the right attitude on that side of the family where we have other podcasters, speakers, creators, writers. My brother does, did stand-up comedy and does YouTube and other things now, online courses. And a cousin that's a musician in San Francisco, a cousin that does fashion design and other things. And so it really just embodied that spirit in our family that you can express yourself. You should be having fun. You should be nerding out on your passions and it's okay if you do all of that but when i say that my dad's side of the family was the exact opposite so i just felt like i fell in the middle and i mentioned not only just like pure intelligence part of it but like studying working hard they were all business people and sales people and so i think i'm the oldest montague without a million dollars in the bank entrepreneurial go-getters like really driven people and they had a really funny sense of humor, but it was more about what you talked about earlier. That's the instigator, the ribbing, the person is going to tease each other mercilessly whenever you do something silly. And so I think both of those I learned in appreciation. So I got to ask the question, have you had a real job or anything? Did you work for the man or work in a W-2 job before you got all this going? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I have several times and I always, I still have a day job as a sales trainer with Sandler. It's an international sales training company and I'm their director of community engagement, which means I get to do uh, all the sales training that's actually for show. So webinars, podcasts, public speaking, brand ambassador stuff for them. And I still help out with some of the programs and things. And along the way, I found those go back and forth. Sometimes the radio job was paying the bills. Sometimes it wasn't. I would do web design or work for an advertising agency. And other times I was just had multiple freelance jobs and doing different things at different times. And you mentioned burning out. There's three times where it's caught up with me. Once in, in college, I had really just like the worst semester you could possibly imagine. Everything went wrong. The grades didn't turn out right. Uh, a fraternity brother actually had a heart attack and died in his sleep wow. in the room next to mine. And it was just miserable. And I got to this place where I was like, I cannot do school. Like I cannot take this seriously. I need to go find something else, get back to being my, myself. In radio, I did overnights for a year and that was miserable. Just working at midnight to 5.30 a.m. every day shook up my life and social life and everything so much that I did not enjoy it and being the only one awake in the building. I'm feeling really lonely all night, even though I'm trying to broadcast to thousands of people. And then again, so, I think in the pandemic too, I 
have worked remotely for Sandler for seven years, but I think, so my life didn't really change, but everything around me changed. All of that extra fun that I was doing, the performing, the connecting with friends, going to parties, all of that got sucked out. And then that really caused me to get claustrophobic in my house. Do you enjoy, I always ask this, if people have a day job and a side hustle, do you enjoy your day job? I do. Yeah. I'm lucky that I've been with Sandler Total for about 12 years now. And for the working kind of in my current position for seven, and I've gotten to eat the stuff that I don't like and write my own job description. So I'm doing the stuff that I'm really good at and doing it. But for me, I think it's a good lesson for everybody. It's always been in my whole life, really hard to be fulfilled and well-rounded in any one position. So even if I was doing playful humans and the stuff that I wanted full time, I would probably still have other projects going on that were outside of that. I just am somebody that likes to experiment and grow and I have those different parts of my personality. So if I am hosting game shows and creating a crazy fun time, if I do that too much, I just get exhausted and I need to sit down and read a book and focus, or maybe I'll write a book. I'm working on one right now. And I think having those two different types of projects allow me to balance my energy if I need to take a weekend off or something. So do you see yourself working a day job and having your side hustles and your businesses going for the rest of your time? Or do you think there's going to be a time where you'll have enough projects, which that'll offset that day job? I don't know. I think about that a lot. I'm guessing that it's going to change several times over the rest of my life, but I don't know. I find it interesting trying to do a lot of different things and express myself in whatever the next cool project is. So I was actually watching Mark Rober on YouTube yesterday. And he said, he's like, anybody that has like a three or five year plan is fooling themselves. He said, I have what I want to accomplish in the next year. But then anything after that, it's really going to change by the time you get there anyway. And that's the way I've been living my life these days, especially since the pandemic. I think anybody that says they plan for that is lying. So yeah. I think we all got a nice reminder that it's, it's nice to have goals. It's nice to know where you're going. I have a few big rocks, like I mentioned, finishing the book. I definitely want to grow the YouTube channel for Playful Humans and for Sandler. I'm running both of those and those podcasts. And outside of that, we'll see what happens next. But right now I'm having a lot of fun doing those two things. That's cool. So tell us a little bit about Playful Humans and how that came about and what you do there. In the pandemic, when I was having my midlife renaissance or pandemic crisis, I was doing some research and I found out about adult play, playfulness. And I didn't even know this was a thing. For somebody that's as playful as I am, I probably should have realized this sooner. But the research around it is amazing that Basically, everybody gives up play somewhere around puberty. You start having to take things seriously. People are like, it's going on your permanent record. You need to get good grades in high school. And you start trying to impress whoever you're attracted to. And you start trying to worry about getting a job and fitting in and getting good marks. And you start smoothing off all of your interesting edges yeah. and pull it, pulling in, reining in all of those other things. And the way I explain it is your inner child is like a whisper. And I think you get this right. There's that little voice every once in a while that was like, you should say this. It would be really funny. And then there's also this louder, like adult voice that don't say that you might get in trouble. Somebody might be offended. 
of the things. What happens is our inner child voice gets overwhelmed by all of the societal pressures. And I don't think we have adjusted yet in our society for the jobs that we actually have day to day. The way everything is set up is the way it was set up about 100, 120 years ago with Ford. And believe it or not, like Nazi Germany came out with the idea of retirement. And people, the average lifespan was 67 when they had people retire at 65. Now the average lifespan is much longer than that. And we still have that age the same. And back then we needed human beings to be robots. We needed them to work in the factory eight hours and work as hard as they could. And they could leave their job and not think about it because they couldn't ask you to assemble cars when you're back at home. And so you worked eight hours, but then you got to disconnect, actually go live your life for 16 hours. And you can probably see where I'm going. None of that is still true today. We don't need human beings to be robots because we have actual robots. We don't need them to be computers because we have actual computers and run those numbers. So we need human beings to be more playful, more creative, create human connections, deal with spontaneity and things that you can't plan for or program for. We need them to solve problems when those systems break down. And all of those jobs are not linear jobs that you are plugging in and playing anymore. All of those jobs, if they haven't already been automated, are gonna be automated really soon. So I think all of that caused me to go, oh, I need to spread this message that we don't need more robots. We need more playful humans. I love it. The funny thing is I use an AI writer to help me do some of my social media posts. And probably about four months ago, they came out with what they call text to image, which is AI drawing a yeah. picture based upon your text. And when it first came out, you should see some of the freaky things it was drawn. It was pretty warped they and still pretty do, scary. But in creepy terms, it'll get real weird. Yeah, real but fast. I was putting stuff about my podcast, my real estate business, helping others change happiness, whatever. And it was coming out with some crazy stuff. And I just started sharing it with the founders. And I'm like, I don't know what you guys are feeding the algorithm. I don't know what GP3 you're on, whatever the case is. <laughs> and it was amazed with the feedback when all, everyone was on it. And then like within two or three days, they said, go back and put those same terms in. And all of a sudden it was drawing things that were like ideal to the terms or the words I was putting in. And it wow. just takes that the fun out of everything. And I'm not saying it's not good to have technology because I'm with it. But like you said, we have to have fun in life because you have now I've got a robot. You put some words in and it's going to draw me a picture. Now, what are we going to do? Get rid of artists. We're not going to have people to yeah. paint anymore. The creativity is really going away. I think it is for everybody for several reasons, but we're all born with genius levels of creativity. If you test third graders, over 80% have what we would consider genius levels of creativity for an adult. You wow. test those same people about 10 years later after they graduate from college, less than 3% are still creative. Um, and really funny stats. I've done a ton of research on this, but one of them is when people run into a problem, 97% of people do one of two things, more of what they were currently doing or less of what they were currently doing. Only 3% try something else. And so I think that is a great example of if your life is not something that you're enjoying at the moment and you want something better or different in your life, you gotta think outside the box. You gotta get creative, get more inputs, get more options. And you have to lower the stress because when we're that stressed out, 
you, your brain focuses and cortisol rushes through your bloodstream and you look for one right answer that allows you to survive. That's what we're built to do. When an animal attacks you in the jungle or something, your body says, look for the one way out that's going to allow you to survive. And then you're supposed to let your guard down, think creatively about how not to get into that solution or that problem again. So what I think people miss is it's not just about positive or negative feedback. It's about getting different options. It's about getting out of your head and out of the situation that's causing you so much stress and allowing your brain to free up and think more creatively of, okay, what was actually true about that? Why was I so worried about it? And how can I avoid getting in that situation in the future? Or if I was going to design my future, all of this is all pretty much made up in our heads. I think about it like a Google algorithm. If you put in house fires and break-ins, you're going to get plenty of news about house fires and break-ins. If you put in puppies, kitties, and helping people with charity and goodwill, you're going to get that back too. So it's really hard, I think, for us to change our inputs and get into another lane. But it is possible. But I got to go back to your statistics. So in the third grade, 80% of those kids had some type of creativity genius. And then you said by 10 years or college, they're 3% or 10%. What was it? 3% still 3%. Are, have creative solutions. Is it the system we're in that's causing that? What, what has made that huge downgrade and that lack of creativity? It's, I think, a lot the society, culture, and system. In school, you're taught that right answers get you good marks, and there's a final exam. Once you graduate from school, life's an open book test. You can cheat if you want. You can Google it, right? And guess what? There's no more final exams. There's no test. There's no, like, you might get an annual performance review for your job, but it's not like you have to study and cram for that test and there's a right answer. It's about what you've been doing all the way up until this point. And it throws people off. Again, we were, we've designed that whole system to have robots to work in factories and to do office jobs. And we needed people to actually take letter mail from one room to another and deliver it. They were machines and stuff. And now we have email. Like those jobs have gone away, but those systems that built those types of workers have not gone away yet. And so what happens, I think, is we also see that pressure to fit in and follow this success to the American dream that doesn't exist anymore. I think about it like a treasure map. We gave everybody the treasure map that was designed in the 1900s and said, hey, if you just follow here, X marks the spot. Guess what? There's no treasure left at X because millions of people have already followed this treasure map. So it's all taken. There's nothing. There. And number two, this map was designed 100 years ago for that layout and that type of situation. And so this world, this map doesn't even fit this world anymore. And I think really... Some good teachers are figuring it out and some good schools and organizations are figuring it out and they're trying to build more creativity, but we just haven't built things that way. I don't think it's human based. I don't think it's nature because our brains don't even really start solidifying and making it harder to get creative until about 24 or 25. But we know still that there, and I've met them and interviewed them on my podcast, there's 90 year old people who are hysterical and creative and 
breaking rules. And I actually think it comes back around once you retire and you have, I don't know what your podcast there is, Ryan, but I'll go for it. Like the people that have the FU money, they like have run out of shits to give right? and like <laughs> their creative and their expression comes back and they actually become more playful again. And so I don't think it's anything that we have to lose. It's something that we choose to lose and we deprioritize as we get older. And ties back into happiness. We're in this, I call it this tranche, this lane that we're all expected to stay in. School is one of those things. Like you said, you show up, you sit down, you take a test, you study, and then you get a grade and then you move on. They tell us when to go to break. They tell us when to go to lunch. They tell us when to go home. But they really don't teach you how to be a climber in life. It just teaches you to stay in this lane and basically just survive. Um, and now we've added technology into this whole yeah. process and I'm not bashing technology because I love it. Like I said earlier, but when you have people reach out, I, I tune out the comments on any of the stuff I put out, it's high or low. It doesn't good or bad. doesn't matter to me. But when I had these kids that reach out and say, I want to be like you, you want to be like me struggling eight years to get your voice, put together two podcasts and understand what I was trying to do. And everyone says, why aren't you monetized? It's never been about the monetization. It's about the joy of having guests yeah. like yourself on and touching, even if it, the old adage, if we help one person out of, the, out of the podcast audience, I'm all for it. It's life and it makes me happy. And that's where my joy comes from. But I'm not worried about putting a TikTok video out and making it go viral and then be depressed and then say, what am I going to do? Because <laughs> my... <laughs> My, my video didn't go viral. And I'm like, this kid that reached out to me a couple of weeks ago, teenager, early 20s. I said, you go look at some of my early podcasts that I put out there. Garbage, crap. But guess what? I wasn't afraid to put out a video and be able to have a conversation. That's what you've got to do. If you really want to go after and be a TikTok influencer, go for it. But it's not going to be one video. You got to put the time and effort in. And it seems like we've lost that as human beings. We don't want to fight for that change in that better life and that happiness and, and everything you can say that you've been talking about, we've lost it. It's been gone for a while. Yeah, it really has. And it's amazing that we're, I think now just starting to figure it out with the pandemic and the great resignation. And now you hear about quiet quitting and whatever you want to call yeah. it. People took a second to step back and evaluate their life and be like, is what I'm currently doing really the best setup for me? And I think I'm encouraged by the momentum that's come out of that, even for companies, because productivity went up when people were working from home. And yes. when they came back to the office this year in 2022, it went down. And so I think they're going to figure it out and say, okay, let's figure out what's actually best for everybody. And what type of jobs do we still need human beings at? If you're working in an Amazon warehouse or you're delivering packages this time of year, you, um, get paid for the number of packages that you deliver. And those jobs are linear work jobs. Some of those still exist. The other type of job though is emotional or intellectual and it has diminishing returns. You can't just write more blog posts or create more podcasts every single day and expect the quality to keep going up. You're gonna get burnt out, tired. You're gonna have to find creative solutions and have emotional energy and able to do work like customer service or sales. On your hundredth customer service call, you're not as good as you were on your first one. No. So those we need to think about the environment. What hours are we working? How can we balance our energy? But you are going towards one which I find the most interesting is there's a third type of work 
which is based on backwards laws. That the more you energy you put into it, the more effort, the more you try to make something happen, the less likely it is actually to happen. And so those jobs, we need to completely rethink. And I don't think the business world at all has any clue about those. So if you think about falling asleep, the more you try to fall asleep, the less likely it is to happen. Yeah. Or if you've ever put too much pressure on something like fun and playfulness and creativity, it actually becomes less likely to happen. I think about New Year's Eve when you have that big party or like your wedding celebration. It's like, this has to be the best night ever. And then that means it's super less likely to happen because everybody's going to have their own like pressure and they're trying to force fun and it just doesn't work like that. So I think when we realize that we need creative answers, we need to leave space for fun. We need to have people in the right energy and mindset for brainstorming or creative problem solving. Then we will start designing systems that fit that better. We'll say, okay, there's probably a hundred times greater chance you have a creative breakthrough outside of the office than you do inside the office in a boardroom. Let's talk about how we design spaces like that. And then I think it'll get interesting. And it's, it's called a little bit of amazing that we don't think this way. And I love what you're talking about because I think it's really a good place to go and we can keep on going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. But also the same time is when I'll use my podcast for an example, you take the creativity out of it. For me, it's the fun goes away because I've evolved as a host. I've evolved as a guest. And I just probably in the last two or three months decided, okay, I'm going to start becoming a guest and working through that process. And I wanted to learn from other hosts to see what could I do differently. And one of the things that really stood out for me is the individuals that reach out to me and say, I want you to be on my podcast are very, and this is just, my, it's unscientific, very rigid. They want to have, they want to give me 15 to 20 questions to ask me. And I respond to them. Do you see my intro video or any of my podcast episodes? I'm a guy that does it off the cuff. I'm going to have a conversation. I want to relate to you. Even though you're on the other side of that camera, I still feel like I can relate to you in some fashion. But if you're going to ask me 20 questions, I'm not a robot. And that's, that's not who I am. And um, I was on a podcast last week and he said, I'm tearing up the questions, Ryan, because I finally went back and looked at your video and we're going to wing it. It was the first one I've ever, I was like, well, I saw your questions. Yeah. Great conversation. Great podcast. And was a, just a turning moment. I'm like, that may, maybe this can happen even more. And I can start reaching out to more podcasters and do that because ultimately us as human beings want to relate to one another. And if it's scripted and down that middle, I call it the middle lane. For me, it's not fun. I just want to be me and just have a conversation. I totally agree. Both my podcasts are like that on how to succeed. I have three questions that I ask every guest and then some like cheesy job interview questions at the end. So I do have scripted ones, but I almost never share them ahead of time, but I will get guests that'll say, what questions are you going to ask me? Can I get the questions ahead of time? I want to prepare for this. I always tell them, I will send you the questions, but I do not want you to read the answers. If you pull them up during the thing, I will stop the show and we'll start over. I want to have a conversation with you. I'm right with you. I think that's what makes it interesting. And what you triggered for me here is the word burnout. And mm -hmm. so many people have burnt out because we're human beings. We adjust to stuff. So it doesn't even matter how crazy the environment is. If it's the same every single day and the same level of crazy, it'll burn us out. And so I 
think what I found this definition you might love. I was participating in some play research for the University of Colorado. And one of the definitions of play that came up was the movement between order and chaos. And so I think that's interesting is, okay, if all of the things that make life interesting are a movement between order and chaos, then it's not one or the other. If you have all order, life is boring. If you have all yeah. the questions and all the answers written down before you start the podcast, it's going to be boring. If it's all chaos and you have no idea what's going to happen next, eventually that's going to be overwhelming and stuff too. And you won't have any kind of or method or really work at your best either. But if you move back and forth between the two, and I think that's what you and I like about podcasting is I'm going to have to give you your show back. And then you have to ask me a question. It's going to be my show uh, yeah. as I give you the answer. And so it's this movement back and forth between the two of us that mm -hmm. makes the show interesting. And I think NFL is the biggest sport in the world because of that. Think about what the National Football League does is they take 45 seconds to play in a play. It's all in order. Everybody lines up. It's perfect. Then they say hi. It's complete chaos. Yeah. And something's going to happen. Somebody could break their leg. Somebody could throw a hundred yard path and score a touchdown. It could go the other way. And the other team could score a touchdown. We have no idea what's going to happen, which makes it really interesting. And then four seconds later, pop, they bring it back to order and they reset and they do it all again. And when I saw that, I was like, wow, that's really insightful. And how can I plan more of that into my day is I don't need more order. And I don't need more chaos. What I need is more movement between the two to mm -hmm. keep my life interesting. What so do what do you call that? the, so I love it. What do you call the area in between order and chaos? I think it's play. If you think play about every mammal on the planet plays and we all speak ball. So if you think about what a seal or a dolphin or mm -hmm. a monkey or a human or even a turtle and a bull I've seen playing with balls. Think about what we like about a bouncing ball is we don't know what's going to happen next. It keeps us interesting, right? If you throw a bouncy ball against a brick wall or a gravel road, it's going to be interesting for a long time because you pick it up, you run a little experiment, something interesting happens, and then it comes back. And so I like this idea of play as there's many experiments, this little manipulation of, of chaos that you're trying to win and create control out of order. But as long as you don't get hung up on the results, it's fun. It's fun to see what happens. I love it. This is a great conversation because ultimately that's where we want to live. So I, I've got to ask the question yeah. and let's go. I want to learn more about playful humans. I, that's it's so cool. And it's sitting there on your microphone. I just think that's cool. <laughs> so then how do we, as human beings get to that playful zone and be able to bounce back and forth from order, playful chaos and back. It's almost like a tennis match, but I think tennis is boring. So if I'm offending anybody, I'm sorry, but how do we do that? How are we going to, how we can stay in that playful zone and be able to make things work? I think there's a few things here. Number one, I want to talk about some of the benefits when I think that you got it right is when you get the five CCs of play. So creativity, confidence, physical and mental connect conditioning, connections with human beings, and then a connection to a larger culture or environment or mission that you're pulling for. 
I think if you have those five things working for you, you're going to have a lot of fun and you're going to be growing as a human being. And so we can break some of those down if you want, but to create those conditions for fun is a whole different story. And that was the question that you asked. Number one is you have to lower the stakes. You kind of have to realize that I'm going to give this up to chaos. Now, I still have some input. I have some influence and control, and that's going to be what makes it fun for me too. But number one, I can't take it so seriously. If I feel like I have to have a right answer, then it's not going to work. So I like to give examples of other fun games. So if you think about Jenga, where you pull the blocks at the tower falls, yeah. that's a different game than a math test. A math test, there's one right answer, and you're looking for that right answer. And so if you don't get it, you're going to feel like you failed. But in Jenga, it, the game is the opposite. It's an infinite game where our goal is to not lose. Our goal is to keep yeah. this game going. And the more it goes, the higher and higher and wobblier that tower gets, the more interesting the game gets. And then if it knocks over, guess what? Surprise, we're all still alive. We get to rebuild the tower and start over again. So if you think about your life or career like that, it's how tall, wobbly, and interesting can we make whatever project we're working on? And how can we like make enough money to keep playing this game and get to do it again tomorrow? And then if the tower falls over, I guess we'll clean up the mess. We'll put it back together and we can start again. I think that's what a lot of people are worried about is the failure. But as long as you still have your blocks together, you learned. You're still alive. You get to learn again from new experience. So the second time you play Gen Jenga, you learn, maybe I don't pull out the two sides because that makes it a little too wobbly. Maybe I'll take the middle one. And we learn and we grow from all of this. Next example I like to give is Lego blocks. There's basically two ways to play with Lego. One is, again, that converging on the right answer. If you buy a kit like the ones behind me, there's a right way to build the Voltron there behind me. There were instructions, <laughs> and I put it together, and it's still fun. I'm solving a problem, and I'm keeping my mind and hands busy. But it's more like meditation than it is play. The opposite is to get all your bricks, mix them together into a big pile and just play and see what comes from this big mass of colored bricks. So I have one that, that I ask everybody and I think it's a really great example. If I had eight of those basic, like eight studded Lego blocks, Ryan, and it's just eight blue Lego blocks, how many possible combinations do you think of different shapes that I make out of eight blocks? Almost limitless is my first thought. Wow. Most people miss that by millions. It's 109 million possible combinations. So you were right. If we take that up to 12 blocks, the, it becomes so limitless or close to infinity that it would take our fastest computer hundreds of years to even figure out what the answer is. It's crazy with eight studs on top and eight studs on bottom and no rules about how you collect or, or connect them over 109 million possible combinations. Do you think there's a right answer? for how to put eight Lego blocks together. No, no, it depends on what you're doing, right? Do you want the sturdiest one? Do you want the tallest one? Do you want the roundest looking shape? Whatever <laughs> you're judging by, it doesn't matter. Now, those are finite pieces. Imagine we have eight people. Do you think there's any possible way 
we could put eight people together in the right combination or have them take the right steps. I think so. It's a period of time that would take, but yeah, it could happen over time. I think it's different. At that point, it be, it does, for me, become infinite and it becomes more like water than Lego bricks. Okay. Like we have these ingredients that so we can mix them together into some interesting conversations or those eight people could come together to solve a problem, but there's no right way necessarily to solve that problem for me. And I think we keep trying to measure humanity and put them into to boxes. And what I think we, I'm encouraging people to think about is what do you do with limitless potential of your life, your humanity, or a connection or a relationship with another human being? There's no rules here. Again, there's no game. It's up to you. I think you can play and experiment with it then and see, does this way work better than a different way? And can we change tomorrow? I think all those things are true. What does that bring to mind for you? That's, that is true, but there's one thing that I add to it is being open-minded. Today, yeah. unfortunately, and it's just I say it out loud, is we tend to tune people out or, I don't know, cancel culture, whatever you want to call it. It's, if I have a differing opinion, you basically think I'm beneath you or not worth it or whatever, and it's like, why can't we just have a healthy conversation? And if we disagree, it's okay. We're human beings. You have that right. And we live in one of the, the freest country, but we tend to not want to have to listen. Politics aside and everything else in between, life is short and we're only guaranteed this three seconds in front of us. And sometimes three seconds is not guaranteed to us. Mm -hmm. And we're worried about somebody else's opinion. And it's, God bless you. It's like, you, it's okay to have that opinion. Do I think lesser of you? No. Do I agree with you? Not always, but I love having those healthy debates about whatever topic. And we've lost that as human beings. And I think that's part of our issues as human beings and getting out of that comfort zone is because some people are fearful of expressing their, their opinions or their livelihood or whatever they're trying to do. And then some are like, I'm just going to shut you down. And it doesn't work either way. You've got to find a middle road and just have that open conversation back and forth if you want to argue. That's exactly, I mean, yeah, where I was going with it is there's no right answer. When you think about politics is a great one, right? That almost any issue, I don't know how there always ends to be the being two sides to it, but there's probably like 12 possible solutions or at least more than two. Then with 8 billion people on the planet, there's probably mm -hmm. an infinite number of solutions. So talked about something like, our environment and should we be more green and pay more attention to the planet? I think most people would say, yes, we all, we probably shouldn't just destroy this earth. We're all living on now, how we go about doing, I'm a fan of all of the above, uh, yeah. but why are we fighting over right or wrong answers here? There's no right or wrong answer. Does it make people healthier or not? And then let's do that. Does it and make the earth healthier or not? Let's do that. And for me, like, those conversations can be interesting, but I think people fight over these right answers or these finite resources, and that's not the problem we're solving. We have infinite resources, have 8 billion people. We could do a lot of things at the same time. And it's amazing that it unfortunately boils down to politics when you talk about that left whatever. But at yeah. the end of the day, why can't you just have a conversation, like you said, and use all the possibilities out there to find a common solution? Because ultimately, you're going to need, and I say ultimately, ugh, oil, petroleum is in 
I think somewhere in the realm of 85 or 90% of items that we consume on a daily basis, are you going to eliminate that one resource out of all the things we consume and go totally green and not have a collapse of a world economy? I don't know how that works. So there's got to be some way that you can find a happy medium to work on certain aspects of that industry. I get it. It can pollute the environment. It hurts things. There's oil spills, the Exxon Valdez, you know, one of the biggest spoil spills in our history. I get all that, but you've got to have some type of way to be able to offset that because today we're starting to see that problem. Like in California, they're telling you not to plug in your electric vehicles because the grid can't handle it. And they just started, I think last week or the week before they passed a bill. There's no more drilling in California, new wells for oil completely shut down. So where are they going to go to get their oil? Yeah, I think the biggest one also is people limit their scope. So when you limit your scope to yourself, that's obviously too myopic. It's not, you can't apply your life experiences to somebody else's and have it be any kind of interesting conversation. But even when you look at California, I heard a great comedian the other day that just said, zoom out, idiots, zoom out <laughs> further. There are still eight, 70, I think it's 70% of the world that's burning their trash coal and wood for heat. And so we're going to say, hey, we enjoyed our plastic cups. Sorry, 70% of the world, you don't get to use the tools that we did to grow. We're going to stop that. And I don't think you can expect people to go backwards, like you said. I think most people now are thinking are along the lines of both. We're going to have to use fossil fuels and machines that we've developed to help us solve this problem in the future. But our time to roll back from fossil fuels, that was like 30 years ago. We missed it. It was a good call but we can't conserve our way out of this problem anymore. And so we actually need to go further into the problem to figure out a way to, to roll back. And it's going to be interesting. Things might get a little, a little hairy, but I think that's where I, you can apply this philosophy and thinking to everything else. Like I think about Elon Musk trying to get us to colonize Mars. Here's an interesting question about that. If you could build everything you needed to sustain human life on Mars without sending a human, because that would be a suicide mission, right? Have everything to sustain a human life. If we could build everything with robots to support human life on another planet, wouldn't it be easier to do that? We could build everything on Earth that would need humans would need to survive without human interaction. What would people's jobs be then? What would your life yeah. be like if everything you need to survive and live was already built for you, taken care of. When I asked myself that question, the answer goes back to play. Like our job would just be to live and have fun and connect with other yeah. human beings and live our life. Well, that's probably our job now. We still have other important things to do. And luckily that work is play for most humans, but it's a silly thought experiment. Is it? It's what do we really humans on this planet for? It, it truly is. And Man, we could go talking for hours on this because you've brought up some great topics, but it's, I boil it down to just two things. Are you happy? And are you going after that passion in life? And most people, when I can speak to them or I have a direct relationship with them, we do some coaching on the side through our nonprofit and people come to us for financial coaching and most of them are not happy. They don't have the skills and the tools to succeed. And we try to provide those to them. But the one thing that's common, and this is an area that I struggled with when we first started this out several years ago, individuals come to us and they want us to do the work for their financial literacy. 
And it's no, I'm sorry, I can't because I have to do my own work. But if we do it for you, what are you learning? How are you bettering yourself and putting yourself in a better position in life? So we came up with a, just a simple quote, we'll be here when you're ready. And that is resonated. And now we have it over some of our door jams and so forth. And it's just very simple and to the point. And I was talking to a gentleman this week. Yeah, this week. And his FICO scores is horrible. He's got a lot of issues, but he's one of the few that have come in and said, you know, what, Ryan, I've never been given any type of tools to succeed. I dropped out of a school because I had to work to support my family. I had a single mother and he goes on with his story and it's pretty depressing. But the one thing he has is he wants to be happy. He wants to change his life. He has two kids and he wants to change how they look at life and how they can have the skill sets to serve, not just to survive, thrive. And we're not just talking finances, we're talking life. Cause he's, I want to open up my own business. He has a passion for photography. And I'm like, dude, let's help you. I'm ready. Sign me up. You got me motivated to do something different. I'm like, man, what else can I do? I feel like I'm lean left behind. It's, it's, it's contagious. If we just take yeah. that step and work towards that in life, it takes work, but it'll happen. And you can have fun at the same time and be playful in between. Because guess what? There are going to be bad days. There's going to be good days. But guess what? If you keep on going, it will happen. I think you brought up some really interesting things for me. Number one is you rest. You're right. There are some things you want to pay attention to. I don't recommend getting playful and creative with your taxes. That'll no. come back and hurt you. So you. there are some things that you need order and work to do. And um, even in my playful career and stuff, I've been really blessed and lucky. I have a really good credit score. It's almost up there close to, to perfect. I have money in the bank and for an investments and I'm not feeling that risk and pressure to have to make money. But I think there's also something that, that people miss in, in that and the work that you do is um, fitting in and being safe is less valuable. If my career was based around that one thing that I went to school for and I did that for the last 20 years, I would be at a lot more risk. There's a stat out now that kids graduating from college now will have nine different careers throughout their life estimated. And seven of those have not been invented yet. Uh, wow. That if you think about what we do with podcasting, that wasn't an option when we were in fifth grade or, no. or college. So <laughs> those jobs that we will have in the future are not even invented yet. So don't get hung up on those things. The way to make yourself more valuable is to have more skills, to be more creative, to be more flexible, to be able to solve bigger and different challenges. And so I've been an entertainer. I have been a sales trainer and I've been a computer programmer. My job now for Sandler is creating entertaining online courses and assets around sales. I'm one of the few people on the planet. How many DJ sales trainers, computer programmers do you know? Zero. <laughs> I'll give you one now, but I'll give you a hint. I make now what about all three of those jobs make if you added them together? Because by adding these different levels of experience, I've increased my value to the organization. So I have 20 years of building websites, 20 years of sales training experience, and 20 years of being behind a microphone or on stage in, in front of people. And so I think if you look at your career and your assets of like, how do I collect these merit badges that add up to something interesting and allow me to level up to the next level? I love the gamification of life because it actually proves to be more valuable and safer than the safe route that you thought was going to protect you and stuff anyway. That is so great and to, to us, 
I'm going to get close to, we're getting close here to wrapping up, but I wanted to just go down one little thing here is we have not really talked about playful humans. Tell me a little <laughs> bit more about it and how do people reach you? How do you, how do they find you? How do they find what you're doing? Because it's very inspiring. I appreciate that. And yeah, playful humans is my side hustle where I do team building is the short thing, but I don't want you to think about trust falls and cheesy team building stuff. <laughs> like we host game shows for your team. I have one this afternoon that we're doing for a big healthcare firm where we're going to be playing holiday games and having fun with their parties. And it's more about disconnecting and allowing you to connect with your inner child. So I do Lego workshops and all kinds of cool things for people, public speaking and keynotes. And we can play big, huge game shows like Family Feud on stage with other people. And in fact, we should probably play a game before we go here, Ryan. But I made it really easy for everybody. It's playfulhumans.com. Or the podcast is Playful Humans, wherever you're listening or watching this. Ryan, do you want to play a game before we go? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. We're going to do a simple one. You can play along if you're listening. I surveyed 100 people. The top answers are on the card here. Name a place where you always try to squeeze in one more person. What do you think? Dinner, restaurant. Uh, restaurant table. Yes, that's number four. Car, number one. Elevator, bus, church view, or concert. All right. So you're one for one. Name a cooked food that's as good hot as it is cold. What's a food that's as good hot as it is cold? Leftover pizza. Yes, pizza and pasta, number two answer. I think that's the right answer as well. Chicken came in at number one. Potatoes, carrots, beans, and shrimp. Shrimp should have been. Wow. Now, this is the last one. During a power failure, name something you can still turn on. I can't think of anything. I think your first thought is on here. It's the right answer. Nothing. Oh, no, it's not on there. A flashlight is number one. Radio, water, spouse, or significant other, number four. And a stove. Yeah, when I saw you giggle, I thought you came up with the spouse answer. Uh, yeah, I was I was thinking that, but I didn't. I In the stove, because a lot of people have electric stove. I have gas. I can't live without gas, but I didn't think of that. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Awesome, Hello. sir. Thank you very much for everything that you're doing, one and two. It's just great talking to you. You're so upbeat. You've got a great positive outlook on life. And the things that you're doing and trying to do to change the world is huge. So I thank you for that. And thank you for coming on. Same to you. Keep going, man. I love you spreading the message. Thank you. Have a good one.